out of John 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. This is God's word. Uh, thanks, Dale, for reading that. Good morning, everybody. It's a little bit different. We have uh, we have some uh, a little bit more light in the room this Sunday. If you noticed that, we had some issues earlier where our, the lights we normally have w- weren't turned on. But um, like uh, my mom always says, it's it's nice to put some light on the subject, and uh, we can see each other this morning. And what <laughs> she says that. Um, it's good to be with you all. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware of it or not, but uh, we are in the Christmas season. Anyone? Yeah? Some of you already have, like, if you do shopping, you've already you had that done, like, in November. Some of you are like me, and you haven't started yet. Um, you still got a few days left. Um, and, you know, Christmas is a big uh, topic that... Um, you know, there's so much that Christians could talk about at Christmas because there's so much to celebrate. And today, I wish that I had a, a whole Advent series um, to talk about, but I, today is our Advent series, basically. <laughs> so uh, this will be the whole Christmas series will be in, in one sermon. Um, but right here at the beginning, I, I just want you to pause and think for a second and Uh, Either remember or ask yourself, why are we celebrating during this time of year? And what are we celebrating in Christmas? You know, there's this, there's always a kind of a hustle, bustle. There's um, shopping, there's getting gifts for all the right people. And there's um, songs that we sing and we kind of get this holiday buzz about us. And, uh, you know, sometimes it almost just feels like there's this attitude within our culture of Christmas that says we're, we're just smiling and kind of acting like everything's okay with the world for a few weeks in December, <laughs> kind of forgetting that, hey, there's some messed up kind of stuff going on in our world. But, hey, it's Christmas, so smile. <laughs> Paste that smile on like, like gingerbread icing, right, you know, just so we can make it through, and um, I heard this song this week, and I, I'm pretty sure you'll know it, but it struck me in a little bit different way. It says, um, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Right. Oh, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Let your heart be light. And then it has this profound lyrics. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Okay, (laughs) have yourself a merry little Christmas, make the Yuletide gay, from now on our troubles, is anyone else know this song? Okay, and I heard that song and I thought, really? Really? Is that how Christmas is going for the rest of you? Did you, like, did your troubles hear that it was December? And they're just like, skedaddle, we're going on vacation. We'll be miles away. We'll be out of sight. It's Christmas. Um, 
Okay, by the laughter, I'm guessing that no, you still have troubles. Um, I still have troubles. Um, my troubles don't go miles away. The little anxieties or the fears or the, or the concerns of my heart do not leave just because it's a wonderful time of the year. And as we know by just watching the news or looking at our Facebook feeds, the world's troubles didn't seem to take a vacation this Christmas season. Um, does anyone know that? And so the question as I hear those songs and sing those songs is, are we, are we letting Christmas just be this kind of sentimental, superficial season? Um, or are we celebrating the, the deep, enduring hope that Christmas reminds us of? Because, you know, it seems like the popular message or the, kind of the ethos of Christmas around us is uh, Christmas, during Christmas time, you can forget about your problems. But what if Christmas was really about remembering the solution to your problems? Because all great celebrations are about remembering. You know, if it's your birthday, we're remembering that you were born and that you lived another year, and we're celebrating that. If it's Memorial Day, we're remembering people who gave their lives to preserve the freedoms we have. And when it's Christmas, we're not trying to forget our problems. We're trying to remember our Savior. For Christians, Christmas is not a sentimental season, but it's an enduring hope. Christmas is not just a seasonal truth, but it's an eternal joy that we get reminded of, this gift that we've been given. And of all the things that I could speak about for Christmas, the idea that um, the Holy Spirit put on my heart for today has to do with that saying of Jesus when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And John 1, 5 that Dale just read says this, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness today. And for a few moments, I just want to remind us of what that means for us as the people of God. What it means for the hope that we have in him. Even if our troubles aren't out of sight. And, and what that means of there's actually a, a purpose and a mission that we've been given through this light that shines in the darkness. Is that all right? <laughs> Liz says, yeah, I want to hear about that. I want to hear about that hope. Amen. All right, so we're starting in the Gospel of John today. The first few verses. And uh, when you talk about the Christmas story, normally you talk about the birth of sweet little baby Jesus, right? And he was uh, born into a dark world. He was born into a world that had no room for him. You think about it, they didn't have room for him in the end, so he was born and stayed the first night in the manger. 
But not only that, the, the kingdom that he was born into didn't have room for him. When King Herod heard about, oh, there's a king of the Jews born, he sent out a decree to kill all the boys in that uh, neighborhood under two years old. Jesus is born into a world that doesn't have room for him. But the Gospel of John, it does not record the birth of Jesus. You know, Mark's gospel starts, begins with Jesus' ministry, just gets right down to it. Luke's gospel starts with the birth of Jesus and the story, everything that went into it, and John the Baptist. And then Matthew's gospel kind of goes back a little bit further and says, you know what, we're going to start with his ancestry. Let's go through the genealogy of Jesus. But John, when he begins to write a book about the gospel of Jesus Christ, he goes back further. He starts at the beginning of time. And that is key because that clues us into what Christians are celebrating with Christmas. Because if you're going to tell Jesus' story, it doesn't just start like our stories when we're born. Because Jesus existed before he was born. And, and this truth that we celebrate in Christmas is a miracle called incarnation. That God became flesh. So when John starts his story about Jesus, he starts at the beginning of time. It says this in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Everyone say the Word. The Word. The word. Do you know who the Word is? Jesus. All right, yeah. If, if you... If I ask a question and you're not sure, you can just say Jesus. You'll be right half the time, right? But that was right. The word, the word is Jesus. And there's all kinds of reasoning and ideas, that, thoughts that go into that, but that's a different sermon, right? We don't have an Advent series. We have this today. But the word is Jesus. And it says that in the beginning was the word. You know, the first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created this verse says, in the beginning was the Word, and we find out the Word was with God. So someone's there with God from the beginning, and then it goes further and says the Word was God. Jesus is God the Son. He has always existed. So in Christmas, when we talk about the birth of Jesus, we're not, Jesus is a, a little bit different than us. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't grow into his divinity. Do you guys ever think about that? It wasn't like Mary and Joseph said, hey, he's, he's never really acted up. I think he might be the son of God. <laughs> he, that's not it. He, he didn't grow into his divinity. Jesus, God, stepped down into his humanity. And we're celebrating the miracle that this unique son of God is truly human and truly divine, and I don't quite understand how it works out, but I know that it happened. So in the beginning, we have this word who is with God and who is God. Verse 3, through him, all things were made. Without him was nothing made that has been made. I just love the redundancy here, <laughs> in case you missed it. <laughs> through him, all things were made. Without him was nothing made that has been made. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I want to skip a little bit to verse 14, 
It says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the only, the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That word incarnation that is the doctrine that we're celebrating at Christmas comes from that phrase, the word became flesh. The Latin translation of that phrase is where we get our word incarnation, where we're highlighting that God has come to us. And the reason that's so huge is because if Christmas is true, then Jesus is not, he cannot be just another good teacher. He cannot be just a prophet to point us to God. But if the word has become flesh, then the birth of Jesus is God's invasion into our earth. An invasion of goodness. An invasion of light into a dark, dark world. Here's also why that's beautiful. If you look at verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. That means that when you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Jesus came to show us what the heart of the Father really is for us, his creatures. Jesus did not come because he had some kind of rigid duty or obligation, but he came because of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Here's here's what I, I want you to think about just for a second. What do we see when we look at Jesus? What do we learn about God? Maybe another way to ask it is, what would life be like if Jesus hadn't come? If the word had not been made flesh? You guys with me? It's kind of like, if you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life, anyone see that, right? And George, the whole time, is the angel intervenes and shows them, this is what your life would be like if you weren't here. This is how all the people would be affected negatively if you hadn't been doing that. All right, well, think about that to the nth degree and beyond. What would your life be like if the word hadn't become flesh? How much of God would we still be missing out on if Jesus hadn't come to show us what God is like? To make the Father known to us. I mean, maybe you could hear that God is love, but maybe it would just be a concept until love has a face and a name. Jesus. Maybe you could hear that God cares about you, but you could feel like he's distant and he's far away. And I don't know if he has a plan, but I don't know if he's saying just deal with your own problems. But Jesus came near. The word became flesh and made his 
dwelling among us. It shows us that he cares about each and every one of you and about me and about everyone who's not here. Amen? I've got a quote here. Vince says, you can't have a good sermon without a Tim Keller quote. So I might have two of them in this sermon. So, I think that's... But no, the first one I wanted to share is this. It has to do with this idea. If Jesus Christ is actually God come in the flesh, you're going to know much more about God. If Jesus is who he says he is, we have a 500-page autobiography from God, in a sense. And our understanding will be vastly more personal and specific than any philosophy or religion could give us. Because of Christmas, look at what God has done to get you to know him personally. If the Son would come all this way to become a real person to you, don't you think the Holy Spirit will do anything in his power to make Jesus a real person to you in your heart? Christmas is an invitation by God. Look what I've done to come near to you. Now draw near to me. I don't want to be a concept. I want to be a friend. When Jesus came, when the word became flesh, it reveals to us the character of God and the heart of God. So the Apostle John wins on how far back he started the Christmas story. But now we see, how does that give us hope? Yeah, I see that Jesus came and I see that he is special and unique. But how does that give us hope? And that's the phrase that um, the Holy Spirit highlighted in my heart this week was that phrase from verse 5 that says this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. Anyone as a child, were you afraid of the dark? You got three people brave enough to... I was, yeah. When I was growing up, there was a show, uh, there was a whole station called Nickelodeon. I don't know if it's around anymore, but they had a show... Are you afraid of the dark? Come on, Saturday nights? The answer is yes. I was very afraid of the dark. I don't think I was allowed to watch that. Um, But here's the thing, all right? So even if you're terrified of the dark, and a lot of times even if a child is scared of the dark or doesn't want to go to bed alone in a dark room, You know, one thing that changes everything is just a light. (laughs) Just flip the light switch on or plug in a nightlight or give them a flashlight or an iPhone flashlight uh, nowadays. And why is that? Because when darkness and light are in a battle, (laughs) um, one of them always loses. All you need to do to expose everything in a dark room is turn on a light. 
Darkness has no chance against it. Light cuts through darkness every time. You know, the metaphor that God's word gives us here is so powerful because of the power of light. Um, I was interested in this, and maybe it's because I grew up in an optometrist's home, so I always like learned about eyes and just fascinated by the human eye. But I looked at a few statistics. How far can the human eye see a light if you're in a dark room? And they started out by saying, well, you can see the earth it curves at like 3.1 miles. So you can't see that if you're just looking straight, but that's not as far as your eye can see. If you were on a mountain and it was a dark night and someone held out a candle, you could see it from 30 miles away, the flicker of a candle. If they were brighter lights, you could see them from hundreds of miles. But even that's not it. I got really interested in this, and maybe you guys will just geek out with me for a second. But the farthest object that we know of that you can see with the naked eye is the Andromeda Galaxy. Right, so you look up in the night sky, it's the farthest one you can see out. And you know how far that is? It's 2.6 million light years away. So if you traveled at the speed of light, which is the fastest speed that we know, and you traveled at that speed in the same direction for 2.6 million years, then you would reach the Andromeda Galaxy. And you can see that at night. I've seen it. I've looked at it because I nerded out and wanted to see it. (laughs) Light dispels darkness. Darkness will never overcome light. Never. How does that give us hope? Because when the light shines in your life, darkness no longer has the last word. No matter how dark things get in your life, there is a light that shines brighter. Jesus is his name. And the darkness will not overcome this light. Maybe all that the Holy Spirit put this on my heart for this week was for this moment for you to hear this. Is there darkness in your life? Are you battling with a sin that you cannot defeat? Are you battling with depression or other mental health issues? Are you battling with a family situation that is tearing your soul to bits? Can I tell you that though our spiritual enemy would want to convince you that darkness will prevail, it will not. If your faith is in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that the light of Jesus will pierce through that darkness that is in your life and overtake it even more than the light from that Andromeda galaxy? That example pales in comparison to the overall rescue effort that Jesus has in your life. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, will not overcome it. Is there darkness in this world? There's hope for this world in Jesus. Because we see 
that God had a plan to come and become flesh and to walk with us, to be with us, to redeem us, to live to show us what God is like, and then to die for our sin to show us what God is like and how much he loves us. We know because God had that plan and because he already came that he is going to come again. And we know that no matter how much darkness is in this world, and I'm telling you guys, it is dark. The thing I love about this amazing faith that we have is that it does not one time ever ignore the darkness and evil in this world. It doesn't try to brush over it like the song I sang earlier. Our faith recognizes that your troubles may not be miles away. (laughs) But Jesus came to be closer than your troubles. Okay, I will. I got someone said, say it again, so... And I listened to her. (laughs) Your troubles may not be miles away, but if Christmas is true, and I'm telling you it is, Jesus came to be closer than your troubles. As I was preparing for this sermon, Hannah reminded me of a worship song that from the early 2000s that may have gotten oversung in that first decade of 2000. Uh, the light of the world, you stepped down into darkness. Oh, I feel like I need like motions. Let me see. <laughs> but that second verse, King of all days, oh so highly exalted, you came to the earth you created. Oh, wait, I skipped a verse. Right, so, King of all days, oh so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake became poor. You see, if, if Christmas that we're celebrating is not just sentimental, but it's true, then we have hope. No matter what darkness faces our life, whether it's an enemy from within, our own sin, or if it's an enemy from without, we have hope that the light will prevail. And the darkness will fail. If Christmas is true, then our response should not just be rejoicing and singing. But Martin Luther pointed out it should be faith. Because we have a real hope. We have a flesh and blood hope. Not just an idea of hope. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is no there is no situation in your life so dark that the light of Jesus cannot shine into it and absolutely transform it. That's why the church exists. Because God has done that. Can I get an amen from anyone who God has done that in your life? Anyone ever been in a situation when you thought, I don't know how there's hope in this, but God, 
old preacher when I was growing up said, everyone's got a butt. God's butt is bigger than your butt. You may be going through something, but God. So I realize that's not great grammar. I'm from Arkansas. I mean, grammar may not always be there, but you guys got the point, right? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Just checking how I'm doing on time. Looks like we got another hour. Um, <laughs> mm. So we have a hope. Hope has invaded, invaded our world. The way C.S. Lewis talked about the incarnation, he said, um, he said that if you take out the incarnation, there's not really much Christian things left to talk about. <laughs> because that miracle... Everything points forward to it and points backward to it and is based on it that the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. But just because light has come into the world doesn't mean that everyone's walking in the light. Just because hope has invaded this world doesn't mean that everyone is experiencing that hope. Just because you may have Giving your life to Jesus doesn't mean that you're experiencing the hope that he's given for you. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed today. But our passage today in John 1 says that a decision needs to be made. John 1, 9 through 13 says this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The message of hope that we have, that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness and that the darkness has not overcome it. This message of Christmas that Jesus came to us, here's the thing. It's not just nice. It's needed. We didn't just need Jesus to point us to God and to tell us what he's like. It's not just a nice thought that he came to show us love. No, the Bible says that we needed him to come. You see, the very fact that he's light shining in the darkness, the backdrop of that is we're in the dark without Christ. That none of us has a light that's bright enough to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and overcome this dark world or overcome our dark hearts on our own. Part of being in the dark means we don't just need 
a coach, or someone to cheer us on. We need a Savior. And the light coming into a world full of darkness, it begged the question then, and it still begs the question today, will you receive him? Will you receive him? told you guys I had two Keller quotes. All right, here's another one. Moralism is essentially the idea that you can save yourself through your good works. And this makes Christmas unnecessary. Why would God need to become human in order to live and die in our place if we can fulfill the requirements of righteousness ourselves? Doesn't make sense. On the other side, relativism is essentially the idea that no one is really lost. That everyone should live by their own lights and determine right for wrong for themselves. And the all-accepting God of love that many modern people believe in. Here's the thing. That God would never have bothered with the incarnation. Why leave the splendor of heaven to walk on earth and get splinters and suffer If everything's good. But I love the Christian faith because we know deep down that everything's not good. And whether you're here today and you're a Christian or not, you know that the world is not the way it should be. That's a universal feeling. You even know that yourself is not the way yourself should be. But the gospel doesn't ignore that truth. It says, no, we needed a Savior. (laughs) See, the gospel doesn't... When we talk about the incarnation of the gospel, it doesn't say the world's not really that bad if you look at it the right way. You know, let me just kind of tilt your head and <laughs> turn to this angle. The world's not that bad. On the other side, it doesn't say, hey, we can fix this, man. If we just get all our, our, our ducks in a row and cross our T's and dot our I's, we can fix this. If we all pull together, we can do this. Christmas says, no, we can't. We don't have what it takes. We need someone to save us. But look, someone came to save us. Will you receive him or reject him? Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus. You've never seen the beauty of that his death on the cross that you heard about was for you and for your sins. To take on himself the sin that separates you from God so that you could be reconciled and drawn near. Will you receive him today? Maybe you're here and you have received him. I know a lot of you have received him. At least, you know, you act like it. So I think you've received it. <laughs> this is a church. It's full of Christians. <laughs> but you've received him, but there's something in your life that you're not accessing that hope. Are you forgotten that, hey, there's a light that pierces further and deeper and and will overcome every darkness in my life? Maybe you're here and you're not remembering that. I would say in some way or another, you're not receiving it. Maybe you need to receive it all over again and say to yourself, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
John 3, 19 through 21 says this, just a couple chapters later. It says, this is the verdict. And this is right after it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All right, so a few verses later. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Will you come into the light? If it's the first time, will you come into the light today? If it's the hundredth time, will you come into the light today? Will you say, God, I need your light in my darkness all over again? See, all you have to do to stay in darkness is reject the light. But all you have to do to become a child of God and to become a child of light, as the scriptures say, is to receive Jesus, to believe on his name. It's not something that you work up and muster up. It's something that you see. I see that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve me and to give his life as a ransom for me. He didn't just come to show us how to live. He came to die for our sins, to make us children of light. Amen? Listen to this from Augustine. Uh, a church leader from the 4th century. Speaking of the incarnation, he says this. Man's maker was made man. That's what we just talked about, right? The incarnation. The word became flesh. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. That the bread might hunger. The fountain thirst. The light sleep. The way be tired on its journey. That truth might be accused of false witnesses. That the teacher might be beaten with whips. That the foundation be suspended on wood. That strength might grow weak. And that the healer might be wounded. That life might die. Jesus didn't just come to show us what God is like. He came to die for our darkness so that he could make us light. That worship song I talked about, the bridge said, I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. When we think of the incarnation of Christmas, God knew what he came here to do, and yet he still did it. Out of love for you. Amen. Will you receive that light today? First John 1 John 1.5 says this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. 
If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Have you received the light? Have you believed in his name? If you have, are you holding on to the dark part of your life right now? Will you receive the light? Will you confess? Will you come to him again and say, God, shine the light in this darkness? Hmm. Darkness has no chance against the light. So we have this incredible hope in Christmas, but we also have a hope that if we receive it and if we take it in, that God not only gives us light for the darkness, but he makes us light to the dark world. I know sometimes we don't want to say, you know, I don't, like to, I don't like that saying, like, well, I need to be Jesus to the world. Well, you can't. There's only one, <laughs> and it's Jesus, right? But I think sometimes we can sell ourselves short, too, on what God has called us to do as his church. Because the same one who said, I'm the light of the world in John 8, is the same one who said to his followers, you are the light of the world in Matthew 5. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your, do your good deeds and let other people see them so when they see them, they'll glorify your Father in heaven. So God has called us who have received this hope not to just hold on to it and keep it in here, right? But he said, no, you are the light of the world. You know how dark the world is? You know how many people in your life need that hope? Extend that to them. If you've received it, Extend that to them. Ephesians 5, 8 says it this way. For you were once darkness. Can I get an amen? But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. If you've received that hope, if you've received that light into your life, then you know that no one is beyond hope. And we now have a role to extend that hope to other people. You know the main metaphor for the church in in the New Testament? Is the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. He became flesh and took on a body to incarnate this truth of what God is like and how much he loves you, and now we're his body to incarnate that to the people around us. God loves you. There is light in this dark world. The darkness will not win. The light will prevail. There is hope for you in your life. Does anyone know one person in your life that needs to hear that? That's why you're here. That's why you've received this hope. That's why we've received this light. Amen? He loved us, so we love others. He came to serve us, so we serve others. He gave his life for us, so we offer our lives back to him. He gave us hope, so we point others to that hope. Amen?
I want to read this uh, uh, one more verse and then uh, close. It's from Philippians 2. And I wish I could read the whole thing because the five or six verses before this is one of the most beautiful passages about Jesus coming and taking on the, the nature of a servant, even though he, he had all the riches and splendor in heaven. But this passage is right after that, and it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And he quotes Deuteronomy. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. As we remember Christmas today, as we remember and celebrate Christmas with our families and friends, neighbors, co-workers this week, may we remember this miracle of incarnation. That God became flesh so that we could come to know him. That the light came to a dark world and allowed himself to be pierced by that darkness so that that light could be ignited in my heart and in your heart and in countless others for the, for the past 2,000 years. And may God bring that hope to bear in our lives. May you remember that the darkness in your life, if you are receiving Jesus, the darkness in your life has no chance. You know, everyone likes to make a big deal out of the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation. Sorry, this is totally random, but it's not, I promise. But if you go back and read the Battle of Armageddon, it's very anticlimactic. All, you know, the enemy, uh, you know, the enemy is amassing this army to fight against, the forces of evil are going to fight against God. And you know what happens? Jesus shows up and the battle's over. <laughs> happens in like two or three verses. You know, we've got great movies about it and all this fanfare, but hey, darkness has no chance against the light. That was his first advent, and now we wait for the second advent. We wait for the second time he comes in power to make everything right and all things new. And in the meantime, we hold on to this hope who is not just an idea, but it's a person. Amen? A person who came to make us children of light. To be the light of the world, humbly, <laughs> by reflecting his light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for uh, this message of hope and truth, God. I thank you that um, as fun as Christmas can be outside of this, <laughs> it's so much more fun to rejoice in this truth and to know that you did not leave us comfortless, but you came to us. God, that you have not left us to deal with the mess we've made on our own, but that the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have um, 
We beheld your glory. And God, I've tried to convey this truth. It's, it's too much for us to think about. It's too much for us to talk about or comprehend. We can't hold it all. And I've tried to talk about it, but Holy Spirit, I know that you are the one who applies this truth. You are the one who makes this real to each and every one of us. You've made it real to me. I know you've made it real to many here. And I pray that in these next few moments as we respond to the word, Holy Spirit, you would do that work and make it real to us. You would convict us. Convict us of sin, but help us to rejoice in your grace and to receive it. Lord, help us to answer your call. Amen. And uh, uh, God, I pray that we would go into this season the rest of this week uh, with with hearts that are light, but not because we've ignored the issues, but because we've seen the light. Not because we've ignored the darkness or downplayed the darkness, but we, we have received the light and we have believed in you and we want to show other people that light. Pray that you would bless us as a church as we do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.